Let's just pray one more time. Father God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you that you are a God who wants to be known and that you have made yourself known to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him we have salvation and, and life. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Um, I really think that, uh, well, Acts 3 and 4 go together. So I'm going to give a very brief recap of uh, chapter 3, just a couple of verses. And then we'll read chapter 4 and, and we'll go through that. So in uh, chapter 3, we have that there was a man lame from birth and he was carried. He was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called beautiful to ask for alms of those entering the temple. And Peter directed his gaze at him and said, look at us. And Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then later on in the dialogue, Peter says, you, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witness. And his name and faith in his name has made this man strong. And at the end of chapter three, we read, and God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. I love that verse. Just the idea of God the Father uh, desiring to bless us by sending us his servant, Jesus Christ. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon him, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening, little night in jail, just cooling off period for them, perhaps. Um, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. If you recall in chapter one, the number of the total people that were following Jesus uh, was numbered at 120. And now we've got men, 5,000 plus women and children. It's an explosion right now. On the next day, there are rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no other name, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, 
they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called, they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the ruler, and their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Just a story recap. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. There wasn't a complete uh, separation between temple worship and Christianity at this time. And they came upon this lame beggar, one who was lame from birth, and he's healed. Just imagine, uh, 40 years, the fellow had no muscle. His legs were probably like toothpicks. There was no physical therapy going on here, right? He was healed instantly, and he's walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, you know, it's not just like this guy couldn't walk for a little while. 40 years no muscle, and instantly he's made well. He enters the temple walking and leaping and praising God, and Peter testifies as to in whose name 
and by what power the healing took place. And then goes on to mention the travesty of justice and the atrocities that were done to that one Jesus Christ, the author of life, being killed and raised again. And then, as I said, the beautiful verse at the end of the chapter three, where it says, um, and that God sent his servant, Jesus, because he cares about you and wants you to turn from your wickedness. It's just such a great expression of God's patience with us as sinners, um, sending his son with the desire that we would be blessed because his son was sent. Because of this, Peter and John are arrested and the power brokers of the day, um, the elite, they don't want the status quo to be disrupted. Um, the, the Roman government was very tolerant, um, but not when it came to social unrest and public unrest, and then they were merciless. And so their power base and their comfort depended on peace within the community. And if we notice, there's one prominent family. All the men listed, it says, are in one family. Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, all were of the high priestly family. These men figured prominently in the condemnation of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that was going through the minds of Peter and John at this time. And they held Peter and John in contempt as untrained and uneducated men, commoners. And Peter's defense was simply the fact of a healed man that they could not deny, and that they had been with Jesus, that was evident to them, and that they were loyal to him. It is interesting to note, I think, when, uh, when they're being uh, questioned, that they say to, to Peter and John, by what power or by what name did you do this? And for me, it's reminiscent of... Um, in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus enters the temple, it says he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and scribes and elders came up and said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them and said, I will also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. 
And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So when Jesus was asked that question, by what authority do you do this? He turned the question back on them. When um, Peter and John are asked the same question, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now, I believe in the post-crucifixion and resurrection time, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter testifies for the second time in this narrative and the third time so far in the book of Acts as to uh, by whom, that is Jesus, by, by whom did Jesus die and that God raised him from the dead. So there's no uncertainty about the events that have taken place. And Peter is just going to bring that home and home and home saying, you crucified him and God raised him from the dead. And they were charged not to speak in the name of Jesus and released. Upon this release, they went to their friends and prayed. And their prayer was one of worship. And they asked for boldness. And God honored their prayer by shaking the place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God boldly. So that's the recap of the narrative and the story. But what's the message for us today here? And I think a message for us today is that it's all about proper perspective. Our work, our walk, our worship, it's all about proper perspective. So many times in these two chapters, and I hope you heard it, I tried to emphasize it as I read, the name of Jesus is mentioned. This name is not a good luck charm. It's not simply us putting on our currency in God we trust. It's not when we have trouble in our culture and in our world, when people kind of rotely say, God bless America, but we're not willing to change. Here, the name of Jesus is relational. The power in the name was all that went with the name. If we were in a funeral service, people might get up or a eulogy might be given. Nice things would be said about the person, whoever it might be, their attributes, things that they accomplished, or perhaps in a love relationship. When someone's telling someone about someone that they met, they want to talk about how they're tender or they're kind or they're caring or they're thoughtful or whatever it might be. Well, this is about people who it has already been said, we're in a relationship with Jesus. And so what's in that name? In chapter three and verse six, we see that he was and is the man of Nazareth. In chapter four and verse 10, we see that he was and is the crucified one. He was and is the risen one. He was and is the cornerstone. 
In chapter 3 and verse 14, we see that he was and is the holy righteous one. In chapter 3 and verse 15, we read that he was and is the author of life. In chapter 3 and verse 14, we read that he was and is the healer. In chapter 3, 13 and 26, we see that he was and is God's servant sent for your salvation. In chapter 4 and verse 12, we see that he was and is our salvation. In chapter 4 and verse 26, we see that he was and is sovereign. In chapter 4 and verse 24, we read that he was and is the creator of everything. In chapter 4 and verse 24, we read that he was and is the God who spoke. He reveals himself to us. In chapter 4 and verse 25, we read that he was and is the God of history. And as such, he is the God who is in control. There is so much more than a name. There is the person of that name. And that's where the proper perspective comes in, isn't it? Because if we simply say Jesus and it holds nothing to us, if he's someone that we don't know, that we have no relationship with, then it is just a name. But because of the relationship that we have, because God is a revealing God, because God has revealed to us his son, because he came and lived and made his life here on earth, because God has revealed himself to us through his son, it's so much more than a name. And that's where our perspective for our lives comes in. That's where when we say that I'm a follower of Jesus, that name holds just the list that I read just scratches the surface for all that the name of Jesus is. And in that, we see some things that God wants. God wants us to know him. That's why he sent his servant, Jesus. It says in Hebrews that in the last days, and you know, in, in, in times past and in different ways, God spoke through the prophets, but now he has spoken to us through his son. And by his speaking, as I've already said, he wants to bless us by turning us from our wicked ways. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. He wants us to bless us and he gives us eternal life. He wants our loyalty. He wants our obedience. It wasn't easy for these men to stand before the power brokers of the day. And they were not afraid of the gospel of Christ and spoke it boldly. I believe that, and we see in in scripture, he wants us to be in unity with each other. I believe that God had joy in that prayer where it says that they lifted their voices together to God. God wants us to be in unity with each other. He wants us to love and care for each other and not to have disharmony and discord amongst ourselves. He deserves our worship. As we acknowledge his power and his glory 
As we acknowledge the futility of man and his rebellion, as they prayed, as they rehearsed Psalm 2 back to, the, to God, um, he wants us to re- rehearse those same things to him, to acknowledge his power and glory, to acknowledge that man is frail and futile before him. He wants us to be thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ and the cost of our salvation. He wants us to speak his word boldly. And he blesses us with the Holy Spirit so that we can do it. So to that end, our perspective is changed. And when we hold that perspective in its proper place, if we leave from here and continue to rehearse that name of Jesus and all that it means in our lives, it changes us that that is who we trust for our salvation. And as we hold it closely, even a small portion of it that we hold closely of our belief in the name of Jesus will go forth as different people. Amen.